0: is where we're going to be. Um, And uh, I don't know about you, but I enjoy in the Christmas season reading through um, the gospel accounts of the coming of Christ in his infancy in in a form of a a baby. Um, And uh, Luke 2 probably gives us the the broadest understanding of what that looked like. And so we're going to skip past all that and go towards uh, the end of the chapter as we talk about uh, Simeon this morning. And as we Think through this man. Uh, I want to point out just a couple of things about him as we get into the message that hopefully will be a help to us as we think about our responsibility and God's desire for us this Christmas season. Let's have another word of prayer this morning. And as I pray, I would ask you to pray as well that God would speak to our hearts collectively today and that we would follow Simeon's example. Let's pray. God, we are grateful today, again, to gather in your house. We're grateful to have an opportunity to worship again, this Christmas season. And God, as we have come to this place today, I I do pray that we've come with hearts that are eager to receive your word. God, your word changes lives. Your word is, in truth, hearing your voice. And though we understand you don't speak audibly today as you did in Bible times, God, we do understand this, that you still speak. I pray this morning that as we examine this passage before us as we think about the life of Simeon and we think about our own lives, God, that, that we would consider if we are living as he did. Again, God, if there's any here today who have never trusted in Christ, we pray that through our time in your word today, they would understand the reality that they are sinners, but that there is a Savior who can rescue them from themselves. God, help us today to, to grasp these truths. And then for those of us who are believers. God, I pray that we would follow Simeon's example of faithfulness, of walking in holiness, of seeking to be a just man whose life would bring glory to his Father in heaven. God, use it today to make us more like your Son, Christ. We do pray for the kids downstairs that you would be with them this morning as they run through their play practice and songs. God, I know they're nervous, but they're excited, and I pray that as they get on stage today that they would do all that they do for the glory of your name. God, I pray that we as a church family would be ministered to from this, that we would be encouraged to use our gifts and talents in the same way that they have. God, you are so kind to us. Your kindness is is mostly displayed in the sending of your Son. God, I pray this morning that our hearts, hearts would be captured by these truths today, that we would look more like Christ when we came in, that we would be willing to use our lives for your honor and glory, regardless of what the cost is. In Christ's name we pray, amen. It's hard to believe how quickly Christmas is approaching. As we think about Christmas, usually we have feelings of excitement and anticipation. We anticipate certain gatherings with friends and family. We anticipate certain foods that we do or maybe should only eat once a year. We anticipate even the idea of receiving a gift, wondering as we hold it in our hands what could be on the inside. Christmas, in some sense, though, has always been like this. It hasn't always been centered around the idea of family and friends and food or wrapped gifts, but it has always been filled with anticipation. Long before Christ ever took his first breath in his human body, God promised that he would send his son to the world to be a redeemer to rescue his people to save people from every tribe tongue and nation and while not everyone lived with anticipation some did and one of those is a man that we're going to speak of this morning named simeon as much as i enjoy the thrill of anticipation i'm actually not very good at waiting anybody else with me I'm the type that if I buy you a gift, you're probably going to get it as soon as I bring it in the house because I can't wait. In fact, that happened with one of the kids this week. I bought something that, that they had been wanting. I'm like, no, we're not waiting for Christmas. We're just going right to it right now. I gave them the gift because I can't wait. And if you're like that, you're probably also like it on the receiving end as well. If you know somebody has bought you a gift, you're like, just give it to me. In fact, I know there's at least two people in the room. One named Matt and one named Kayla. I won't give you their last names, but I'm pretty sure all their Christmas presents are already open this year. And it wasn't that they were wrapped by themselves. It was the Amazon boxes that they came in, and they just couldn't contain themselves. Matt brought in a coffee cup the other day. I said, oh, that's a nice cup. He said, yeah, had to trade it. I said, what do you mean you had to trade it? I said, I had to give one of my gifts to her that I got her so I could get one of my gifts from her, and uh, <laughs> Christmas is basically over. So that's a little insight into the beer nat house if you ever wondered what things looked like there. But probably more of us are like that than we even recognize, right? We anticipate. We enjoy this idea of receiving things at Christmas. We, we don't want to wait, but as we think about the Christmas story, we must understand that the Christmas story doesn't begin in Luke chapter 2 or Matthew chapter 1, but the Christmas story begins before the foundations of the world as God understood the reality that humanity would sin against him and need a Savior. And so he promised very early on in Genesis, that he would send somebody to rescue and redeem them. But understand, in the years from Genesis all the way to Luke chapter 2, there was a lot of waiting that took place. There was a lot of anticipation. There was a lot of wondering if this promise was actually going to be. There was a lot of skeptics that that caused uh, themselves to be filled with doubt and walk away from the faith although there were others who remained faithful in receiving the promise of God and waiting to see its fulfillment in the person of Jesus Christ. I was thinking this week, I wonder how many people, when Christ came into the world, were actually anticipating His coming? How many had heard the prophecies of old and remembered what the, the promises were of God in the Old Testament, and daily they were wondering, is this the day when a Savior would be born? Is this the day when we will see God's salvation revealed to humanity? Is this the day? And while we don't know how many there were, we do know there was one. And his name was Simeon. And God had revealed to him through the Holy Ghost that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ. And Simeon waited patiently and diligently. He waited in holiness and righteousness. He was a just man who was longing for the consolation of Israel to be brought to earth. And in his waiting, he saw God fulfill a promise. And when he saw the fulfillment of this promise, his life was was overflowing with joy as he understood this truth that God always makes good on his word. And friend, if there's something that we can learn from the Christmas story, it's that God always makes good on his word. Every promise that has been given will find its fulfillment. And as we look to the Christmas story today, we understand that Simeon realized this and it changed his life forever. The big idea this morning is this. The birth of Christ brought hope and joy to Simeon. The birth of Christ caused Simeon to bring hope enjoy to others. I want to ask us a question today, and I pray that we would think through it. And it's a simple question. Are we like Simeon? I want to see two things this morning that hopefully will be a help to us as we consider Simeon's story. And the first one is simply this, Simeon believed. Have you? Simeon believed. And in a room this size, I would assume probably on the safe side that there is at least one person here who is unfamiliar with the fullness of the Christmas story being centered on the person of Jesus Christ who was born as a baby, live as a man, die on a cross for things that he did not do, but so that he could become the payment for sins for all who would place their faith and trust in him. And you may be thinking, damn, that's the Easter story. And I would say to you, no, friend, that's the Christmas story. The Christmas story is about believing not that Jesus was was part of a miraculous birth through the, the Virgin Mary, but that he was God in the flesh who came to dwell with men so that he could be the propitiation or the payment for their sins. And Simeon believed this truth. We don't know how long he lived with this this intentionality in his life of going to the temple, of longing to see the Lord's Christ, of longing to see God's salvation, but he believed the words of God and it changed his life. And I would ask us first off this morning, have you believed? Have you trusted in Christ As your Savior, have you recognized that you are lost and dead in your sins apart from Christ, but Christ came to reconcile and bring you back to the Father? Simeon believed this truth, and it changed his life. And I would say that there are many of us in the room today who have believed this truth, and it has changed our lives. But my question for you today is this, have you believed? Have you believed what Simeon believed? The writer of the Gospel of Luke was a doctor named Luke. He was a companion of Paul uh, later on in his life, and he was a devout Christian who loved Christ deeply. At some point in his life, his belief caused him to abandon the life that he knew while still using the, the gifts and talents that God gave him to minister to the greater Christian community, and he devoted himself to the ministry for the sake of the gospel. As you read through the Gospel of Luke, you can tell he was a man who paid great attention to detail, and that is even more evident in the Christmas story. Luke is not only one who shares with us, or uh, Luke is the only one who shares with us about this man named Simeon, the understanding God gave him and the hope that he lived in. In verse 25, though we don't know much about Simeon, Luke does point out some things for us that we do know. And the Bible says, behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. If you could have anything written about your life, that would be something that knocks everything else out of the park, right? If you could have a a sentence or a phrase or a memoir written about you, it would be incredible if it could be this. And though that all depends on how we live The reality is we understand by this that Simeon lived in this way. And so as Luke begins to describe to us this man, he doesn't just say that there was a man, but he gives us some specifics still in a very general way. And so there was a man who lived whose name was Simeon, and he was just, and he was devout, he was faithful, he was righteous, not in his own righteousness, but in the righteousness of God. And the Bible says that he was waiting for the consolation or the comfort of Israel. As we think about being a believer in this day, we often think, man, being a believer in the Bible times must have been so easy. How foolish would we be to think that? They lived, the Jews, in a a hostile environment in this day. They couldn't do whatever they wanted when they wanted, but they were under the authority of Rome in some way. And so when the Bible says that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel or that he was waiting for the comfort of Israel, you know what it speaks to? It speaks to the idea that Simeon's life was, was actually quite hard. Because if you're waiting for comfort, doesn't that mean that you're going through most likely a challenge? So Simeon was waiting. He was waiting in a just way. He was waiting in a devout way. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, for, for God to send the Messiah to rescue and redeem them. And though he didn't understand what that looked like in, his, in its fullness, he understood that it was going to happen. And Luke tells us that not only was he just and devout and waiting, But it's significant that Luke says here that the Holy Ghost was upon him. In the Old Testament times, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit would come and go. He would rest on people, work through people, and then leave, it seems, for a while until he needed to come back. But in Simeon's case, we understand that the Holy Ghost was working through him. And verse 26 tells us that the Holy Ghost revealed to him that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so while he was waiting for the consolation or comfort of Israel, he was waiting with great confidence because he knew nothing could touch him because God had given him a promise that God would not break. So Simeon lived with confidence, understanding that that God's word would be fulfilled. He lived with clarity in his life, understanding that he needed to live for a specific purpose and for a specific reason. And the Bible says one day in verse 27 that he came by the Spirit into the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. Then he, Simeon, took up this child in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us, thy servant, depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. And as Simeon waited for all of his life, from as a child as he heard his parents rehearse to him this idea that a Messiah was coming, as he heard the promise of Genesis 3.15, that there was coming one who, who would bruise or, or I'm sorry, whose heel would be bruised, but he would crush the serpent's head. Simeon waited in anticipation. He waited in anticipation as he thought through Isaiah 7.14 that says this, therefore the Lord shall give you a sign, behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and call his name Emmanuel. He waited with with consistency as he thought through Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And so Simeon lived with anticipation in his life because he understood the promise that God had given in the Old Testament, but he also lived with anticipation in his life because the Holy Spirit had had re-promised these things to him, that Jesus was coming. And as Simeon believed that truth, it changed the way that he lived his life. And so as he went to the temple on this specific day, the day that the Spirit of God led him there, the Bible says that as he saw Mary and Joseph come into the temple to do what was customary in the law on the eighth day, Simeon sees them come in and he runs up and he grabs that baby and he holds him in his arms and he begins to bless God. He praises God, he thanks God because God had made good on his word. And then what does Simeon say? He says, Your servant can depart in peace, for mine eyes have seen your salvation. The reality is, for all who have understood who Christ is, we can live with the same confidence. And we can die with the same confidence because Jesus is our hope in life and he is our hope in death. We can live with great confidence following the leading of the spirit in our lives, doing what he has asked us to do, but we can die in death because we have believed not in ourselves, not in our good works, not in our merits, not in what we have accomplished, but we've believed in another who stood in our place. And who is that other person? It is none other than the very son of God, Jesus Christ, the sinless savior of the world. And as Simeon bellowed out with great joy in his mouth as he said, my eyes have seen your salvation. I wonder today, have you seen the salvation of God? Have you recognized, friend, that you have a need in your life that you cannot fix on your own? Have you understood that you are a sinner who is lost and will be separated from God for eternity? Have you understood that the punishment for sin is not just a slap on the wrist, but it's eternal suffering. And yet God in his love and his gracious and in his, in his mercy has made a way for sinful humans to be reconciled to a holy and just God. And what is that way? Well, it's exactly what Simeon says here. Salvation through Jesus Christ. Paul says it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. It's not through what I can accomplish, but it's through what Christ has accomplished on the cross. And many people look at the Bible and they say, man, it's just a book of old stories. It's just a book of of history, a book of old events. Or maybe they even say it's a book of fairy tales, of things that never even existed. But do you want to know what it says in the end of John's gospel in John 20, 31? It says, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the God, and that believing ye might have life through his name so this book is not just a book of history though it is historically accurate this book is not just a book of stories though it is filled with stories of real men and real women who gave themselves to this idea that Jesus was the savior of the world though it isn't just those things we also understand that it is those things and ultimately it was given to us and specifically the gospels were given to us so that we might believe And that in believing, we would have life through his name. As we think about the world that we live in, as we think about the lives that we live, how many of you would agree with me that we often get caught up in this idea that we're living for the now, so we better make the most of it? Anybody? Wow, you guys are liars. (laughs) Which takes us back to what I just said, that you're all sinners. Now you need a savior, right? Thank you for proving my point. Of course, we do. We all get caught up in living for the wrong thing at times. But what did Simeon do? as he understood the promise of God, as he understood the message of God that a Savior was coming, he chose to believe that message and it changed his life. Again, in verse 30, he says, mine eyes have seen your salvation. In verse 32, he says that this was a salvation that God had prepared before the foundations of the world. This salvation wasn't of Simeon and it wasn't because of Simeon, but guess what? It was for Simeon. And this salvation that God has provided is not because of you. And it's not through you, but it is for you, through the person of Jesus Christ. And so I would ask us again today, have you believed as Simeon believed? The faith that Simeon had was directed to the person of Jesus Christ. And I would ask you today, where is your faith? The faith that Simeon had was personal, not familial, not nationalistic, or not even really religious. But it was in the person of Jesus Christ, a singular faith in a singular person that changed everything. And I wonder today, have you looked to the person of Christ to find your hope in this life and in the life to come? You see, back in Matthew, which is another parallel of, of what's taking place in the Gospels concerning the, Jesus, uh, the story of Jesus, we see that an angel appears to Joseph and he tells him all these things that are going to take place. He tells him not to fear because the baby that's inside Mary was actually from God. And what a mind-blowing statement that is. But then the angel goes on to tell Joseph something very specific. He tells him that the, the reason... That Jesus came was not just for social good or political good or national good, but it was for spiritual good. That He had come to be the Savior of the world. That He had come to rescue and redeem people from their sins. As we understand why Jesus came and we understand who Jesus came for, the question again that we're left with is simply this, have we believed? Have we believed what Simeon believed, that Jesus was God's salvation for all of humanity? Have we believed this message of hope that Simeon proclaimed in this moment in a personal way that his salvation had been made sight as he put his eyes on the person of Christ? And though we don't get to see Christ in a physical way as Simeon did yet, the reality reality is we see Christ in a spiritual way. And I wonder, have you looked to him as your savior? In John 14, 6, Jesus makes this statement. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And when we see statements like this, we, we have two options, really, don't we? We can either say that Jesus is lying or that he's telling the truth. Well, since we believe that Jesus is God in the flesh, and since we understand and believe that God cannot lie, then what do we understand about Christ's words in John 14? That they are truth? that he is the way, that he is the truth, and that he is the life, and that no man can come to the Father but through him. Amen. And again, this is the truth that Simeon believed, and friend, I would ask you one more time, have you believed this truth? You say, well, I've, I've gone to church my whole life. Well, we understand it's not about going to church. You say, well, I've been a good person and I'm not going to discredit you in that. You've probably done earthly good things, but our earthly goods can never make up for the spiritual depravity that rests within us that, we, that causes us to be separated from God. And so it's not a balancing scale where well, your good outweighs your bad. But it's about looking to the one who died for you and his name is Jesus. And as the apostles, as the disciples took this message, To the world after Jesus had gone back to heaven, they preached the very same message that Jesus preached. And in Acts 4.12, they say this, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And what is that name? It's none other than the name of Jesus. And so, friend, I would ask you again, do you believe? Simeon believed and it changed his life. But the question is, do you believe? Are you resting in the finished work of Christ or are you resting in your abilities to appease the wrath of God? Understand this, you never could, but also understand this, you don't need to. Why? Because it's already been appeased through the person of Jesus Christ. And so do you believe? The second thing I want us to understand today as we go through this story of Simeon, first off, he believed, and the question for us is do we Secondly, Simeon proclaimed, the question is, are you? Simeon proclaimed, are you? Am I? Am I proclaiming the truth that has changed my life? Have you ever eaten at a restaurant before? And before you can even leave the restaurant, your, your mind is already wandering to, who can I tell about this place? Anybody ever been? I, I like food. I don't know if you can tell or not. Um... I almost had to change my sweater because it doesn't quite fit like it used to any longer. I don't know if anybody else has that trouble, but I love, I love food. Um, this week, somebody was telling me and Matt about uh, this place called Martone's in Essex. Who's ever been there? It's a deli, and uh, I had heard about it. Caleb told me about it a while ago, kept talking about it, and I'm like, man, I got to get down there sometime. Well, uh, Matt and I were down there this week in Essex doing something, and it just so happened to be at lunchtime. God's timing is always impeccable, isn't it? It just works out in ways that we can't understand. And so we went in there, and uh, I, I took after Lee. Both of us did, actually. We were talking to two different people at the counter, and I just said, well, what would you order? If you had your pick, what would you order? And the lady that was helping me said, well, I just kind of make my own thing. She said, but the most popular things are X, Y, and Z. She said, really, the most popular one is Z. It wasn't really Z. It was called the dark side, I believe. And I don't know if, what that says about me, but I went to the dark side for a short time on Friday afternoon, and it was, it was corned beef and pastrami and Swiss cheese and Russian dressing and coleslaw on a sub-roll that was about that big. Why did I go to Martone's? Because I, no, I'd been close by many other times. Why did I go to Martone's? It's actually because somebody this week sent me a picture of them eating that exact sandwich. Thanks a lot, <laughs> Ethan Hover. Um, but I went, why? Because somebody else proclaimed something that I had not experienced. Somebody made me aware of something that was lacking in my life. <laughs> and so I made the trip to Martones and my life will never be the same because of it. And though that's a silly way, and the sandwich is amazing, by the way, though that's a silly way to relay a spiritual truth, how many of us have experienced hope in Jesus Christ? How many of us know beyond a shadow of a doubt that our last breath in this life will lead to our first breath in the presence of God? How many of us understand that that we have been taken from living in the muck and mire of life and had our feet set upon a rock who is Jesus Christ and he establishes our goings not only in this life but in the life to come. How many of us have confidence that in life we live for Christ and in death we die in Christ and we will see him face to face. Friend, if we can proclaim the truth about a sub shop in Essex Can we not proclaim the truth about the Savior of the world whose name is Jesus? And I would ask us today, are we? Because we all know we should. But are we? We all know that God has given us a mandate in the end of the Gospels to proclaim the Gospel to every creature. But the question that we must ask is, are we? Are we making the name of Jesus known? You see, what Simeon understood was that God never intended this salvation to be for him alone. Simeon didn't lay eyes on Christ in that moment and then zip up his lips and walk home a happy and fulfilled man. But he began proclaiming in that moment that this Jesus is not just salvation for him, but he's salvation for the world. And Simeon's exclamation in verse number 32 or 31 says this, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. When, when Simeon laid his eyes on Christ and he recognized the salvation that had been provided, he proclaimed with excitement that yes, this is my salvation. But this is also the salvation that God has prepared for everybody. He calls him a light. And what does light do? It shines in darkness. And this account of Simeon proclaiming Jesus as light is not the only time we hear that reference. In fact, if we were to back up in Isaiah 42, 6, we would see this. The Lord, I the Lord have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give, for, uh, give thee for a covenant of the people for a light who of who? Of the Gentiles. So this is Old Testament, and what were the Jews often prone to believing? That we are the people of God, that God will save us, that God will redeem us. But in this this, uh, prophecy by Isaiah, which is ultimately about Christ, what is God saying? That, That he will be a light to all nations, to all people, because he is the Savior of the world. We understand this is true as well as we move into the New Testament, and who knows the story of Zacharias and John the Baptist? Zacharias and his wife understand that that they're going to have a baby. And who is this baby? It's John the Baptist. Well, who is John the Baptist? He is the forerunner of Jesus Christ, the one who would prepare the way for the Lord to come. And what is it revealed to about Christ in the prophecy or in in the, the giving of information by the angels concerning John the Baptist? That he was the one who would make known the light. And who is the light? It is none other than Jesus Christ. And then as we think about Christ himself in John 8, 12, what does he say? I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Not just light in this life, but light that opens our eyes to understand the reality of things to come. And Jesus invites all to come and take part in this as his life shined as a light for all who would believe in him. And why am I saying all this? Because God made it very clear from the Old Testament to the New Testament that this salvation was for all people, and if that's clear from God, if it's clear in the Word of God, then I would ask us this morning: Why are we making not making it clear to the world? Can I ask you today: Who have you recently shared Christ with? Well, you know, I, I just I'm busy and. I've got things going on. I've got stuff to do. What What is more important than sharing the name of Christ to a world that is lost and dead in their sins? I was talking to my mom this week about Christmas cards, and she said, you know, I, I struggle some years. Um, she's probably going to watch this, and I'll get in trouble for it, but uh, that's okay. She said, I struggle some years with, with giving out Christmas cards with our picture on it. She said, because it It just seems to take away from the truth of what Christmas is. It's like I'm giving you a picture of me so you can celebrate me on Christmas. And I was like, you're not wrong. She said, so you know how I appease my conscience? I put a gospel track in every card that I send out, and then it makes it good. But we're very good about making life about us. In the conversations we have when there's dead time, and we're trying, ever ever been there? You're trying to come up with something to say? What do we go to? Oh, the weather. Oh, did you see this in sports? Oh, did you hear about this, that, or the other thing? Why don't we run to Jesus in those moments? And I'm not pointing a finger at you, I'm talking about myself. If Christ has changed my life, then why am I not proclaiming him to everyone that I meet? And Simeon's understanding of Christ here was personal in the sense that he was his savior, but it was also very general in the sense that Simeon understood that Jesus was indeed the light of the Gentiles, the light of the world. And it's interesting that as Simeon proclaims his, the glory of God in this moment, and he talks about the person of Jesus Christ being salvation for people, who does Simeon begin with? He says, a light to lighten the Gentiles. And then he talks about Christ being the glory of Israel, but he begins with the nations and then talks about his own people. And I think what Simeon is declaring to us and what God has preserved for us in this is that we have to have a very broad understanding of salvation, not a narrow focus in salvation. The message is narrow. There is one way, but the message is broad and that it's to be proclaimed to all men. Simeon believed the gospel and his belief in the gospel caused him to go out and share the gospel in a very broad way. How do you think Simeon went home from the temple that day? We understand he was ready to depart in peace, and that doesn't mean departing the temple in peace. It means departing from this life in peace. It means that he was ready to die because he understood the reality that Jesus was present. And when people have confidence as they're approaching death, do you know what that makes them? Very, very bold. That they're willing to speak hard truths to those who might not want to listen because they understand the truth has the ability to change their lives. And that's how Simeon lived. As Christ makes His way through the Gospel of Matthew, as He teaches, as He heals, as He as He cares for those who are in need, as He helps those who are ill, as He has tender compassion towards those who others have rejected. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, He gives a universal call, and He says this, Come unto Me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn of Me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest. Unto your souls. You see, Christ makes a universal plea in salvation, and this doesn't mean that all men will be saved, but it means the offer goes out to all men. It goes to all men so that they can have an opportunity to hear the truth of who Jesus is. And as Simeon proclaims the reality of Christ in Luke chapter 2, saying that Jesus was the the plan of God's salvation for the world, in essence, as as we summarize those verses. I wonder today, is that the message that we believe? And if we believe it, are we proclaiming it? So as I go back to my story about my sandwich, it was that afternoon, I back here at church, I'm getting ready to go to a meeting, and I was texting my brother Aaron. And you know what I told him? If you're ever in Essex, go to Martones. And I wonder, is that our sentiment about Christ? That as I have experienced it, I have to share it. That as I've understood the reality of what Christ has done for me, that I want Him to do that very same thing for other people. Now, just so you understand, I'm not a horribly selfish person. I ate half the sub, and I brought the other half home, and I let Brianna have a bite before I finished the rest of it. (laughs) but I shared the truth. I shared the truth of how good Martone's was. And I would ask us again this morning, do we share the truth? I'm not going to lie, sharing the truth of Christ is an intimidating thing. It's, It's difficult at times to spark up a conversation with somebody about eternal things, but friend, if eternal things are real, then we need to follow the leading of the Spirit in proclaiming those things. Does this mean that as I go down the aisle in Hannaford that I have to stop every person I see and say, hey, I need to tell you about Jesus. Hey, I need to tell you about Jesus. Hey, I need to tell you about Jesus. Probably not, right? Because that's that's not a practical way to live and oftentimes God opens up doors with those that you already have a relationship with. But I will say this, if you're walking down the aisle in Hannaford and God says, hey, speak to that person, then who am I responsible to speak to? That person. Because God knows more about what's going on in their lives than I could ever know. And what was it that led Simeon to the temple on this specific day? It's the Holy Ghost. And who is it that is still alive and active leading our lives as we walk in this world? It's the Holy Ghost. And so we have an obligation to be surrendered enough to the Spirit of God that when He speaks to us, we are willing then to speak To other people, but you say, How can I do this? I understand I'm supposed to do this, but how can I do this? Well, do exactly what Paul did throughout the book of Acts. He simply used his testimony coupled with scripture to cause people to understand the change that Christ had made in his life. Who's got a story about how you came to Christ? Not a made up story, but a real story. We all do. We all do. Somebody along the lines told you about a person named Jesus. For most of us, we didn't believe the first time we heard it. We thought through it. We we meditated on it. We pushed against it, right? That might be good for them, but it's not good for me. And eventually, as, as God broke down the walls in our hearts, we realized that there was nothing more we could do but give ourselves to him. He's the provider of salvation. He's the initiator of salvation, and he is the keeper of salvation. And so we rest in him. And if that's your story, then understand this, friend. You've got a story to tell. The question is, are you? Are you sharing that story with somebody who is lost? Are you sharing that story with somebody who is not filled with hope? Are you sharing that story with somebody who's trying and striving and working to earn their way to God? Are you sharing that story not in a generic way with with no heart or love for them, but are you sharing that story in a personal way because you care about their soul? Simeon proclaimed the truth. The question I would leave us with today is this. Are we? Who are you telling about Jesus? Oh, the list is long. I've got too many. Pick one and start there. Who are you telling about Jesus? Who are you sharing your story with of how Christ came into your life and changed everything? I was reading in 1 Peter this week for my devotions in in 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 5, Peter gives us a a great understanding of what salvation means for us. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter's explanation or understanding of salvation there is one I believe that we should read often because it reminds us that everything we experience in Christ is not because of us but because of Him and that everything we have waiting for us Is not because of who we are, but because of what he has done. And if we live with that truth in our minds, then I believe we will share that truth with those around us. You say Simeon was a special man. He was. Not in the sense that he held a grand title, not in the sense that he was an official ruler in Jerusalem. He was a special man because he believed what God said and he acted upon it. And so really, it wasn't anything about Simeon that made him special. It was God that made him special. And I would ask us today, are we living in the example of Simeon? Friend, if you're here today and you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, the Bible does reveal to us, and this is... Not a scare tactic, because I would never try to scare somebody to trust Christ. I would never try to manipulate you, but I will share the facts with you. That the Bible says that we will all die. Anybody ever known somebody that died? Guess what? That's going to happen to you one day. The Bible says that as we die, we will stand before a judge who is just, and he is loving, and he is gracious, but he also always does what is right. And the Bible reveals that for those who have rejected this idea of salvation through Christ, that they will be separated from Him eterni- eternally in a place called hell, as we're understanding on Wednesday nights, that eventually is taken and thrown into a place called the lake of fire. Now you may say, that, that sounds like a horribly cruel God to send people that don't agree with Him to a place of eternal suffering. Friend, it would be... Maybe we could say it's cruel if God hadn't provided a way of escape, but He has. So when you go to the doctor and the doctor says, you've got stage four cancer, who do you blame? You don't blame the doctor. What do you do? You take the news that the doctor has given and you take the prescription that the doctor has given and you seek to find hope in that prescription. Well, God is the one who has said all men are sinners and that sin must be punished And that the punishment for sin is ultimately separation from God forever in a place called hell. That's a reality. And so as you hear the words from the doctor that your life is filled with sin and sin demands to be punished, will you also hear this morning the hope that the doctor offers? That all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved that all who come to Him by faith, repenting of their sins and looking to Him as their only source of hope and life and death will be saved. Will you take that prescription and apply it to your life so that you can have hope in this life and hope in the life to come? I can't force you to say a prayer and trust Christ. And as I said a moment ago, I wouldn't even want to try because if you do it for me, without genuine sincerity in your heart, then it's meaningless. But if you do it by faith, it changes everything. That's why I would ask you again, have you trusted Christ? We're going to sing a song in just a few minutes, and as we do, I would ask you if you have questions about how Christ can be your Savior, that you would meet me at the back, and together we can go through the Word of God and show you how you can be saved. Don't delay. We don't know how much time any of us has left. Don't delay. Do it today. And then for those who are saved, I would just simply ask you this. This Christmas season, who are you determined to share Christ with? Who has God laid upon your heart? A person who, if they died in their current state, would be separated from Him forever. Who is the Holy Spirit nudging you to go to and say, hey, can I share my story with you? We get nervous because we might not have the answers. And guess what? While we should strive to have the answers, sometimes we just won't have the answers that's going to appease their question. But we always have the answer. We always have the answer that can settle their salvation. That is faith alone in Christ alone. Nothing more, nothing less. And so as God leads you, would you share your story with them about how God has changed your life through the person of Jesus Christ. Simeon lived a great example. In fact, I, I think, as I've contemplated this question this week, I, I do think Simeon is my favorite character in the Christmas story. Besides Christ, of course. Because his testimony is, is significant. His testimony is significant. And I pray that my testimony would be significant one day as well but that only happens when I follow Christ, when I follow the Holy Spirit's leading in my life. And I would ask, would we do that today?